and welcome to Not Awkwardly Office, a brand new podcast from two seasoned women professionals. Isn't it time someone got candid about the experiences us women face in the workforce? I'm sure all of us have stories, some of them difficult, some uncomfortable, and some that are downright hilarious. I'm Uma Kasoji, co-founder of The Star in Me, a global career advancement platform for women and a diversity partner for organizations. And I have here with me my co-founder Mahua Mukherjee. So Mahua, shall we get the ball rolling? Absolutely. Thanks for getting it started, Uma. Hello everyone, I am Mahua Mukherjee. And yes, as Uma mentioned, we will share some of our experiences and stories of past 18 years in the corporate world across continents and leadership roles. And in today's episode, we will talk about some scary statistics around the gender gap that exists, of course, even today, and is indeed scary. In fact, uh, something that really bothers me is that we were so neck deep in our little world of projects, deadlines, appraisals, and promotion cycles, like year on year, that we never realized the depth of the gap until we ourselves started dissecting analyst reports, World Economic Forum and World Bank reports, along with having conversations with a lot of women uh, across many continents. And we started doing all of this diagnostics since 2015. By the way, did you know? (laughs) Now, this is a phrase that we will use in a lot of sentences in today's podcast. So, Uma, why don't you bring on the first one? Here we go. Did you know that globally, only 55% of women are engaged in the workforce as opposed to 78% men? Sometimes you need to see it to believe it. And I got a chance to see this when I worked across five continents in several countries. I walk into offices and I see women in minority. I walk into meeting rooms and see less female managers when compared to male managers. I'd step into boardrooms and the percentage fell even further. The gender gap may be more pronounced in some countries when compared to the others, but as all of you would agree, the gender gap does exist. And listen to this. If every country matched the progress on gender parity with its fastest improving neighbor, global GDP could increase by up to $12 trillion in 2025. Let this sink in. Now, do you agree this is a problem worth solving? Wow, $12 trillion. Now, that's a huge impact. I wonder, despite the ever-growing business case for diversity and, you know, after being aware of the profound impact that workforce diversity can bring in, why is the progress so slow? We all know that there are many companies around who have been uh, investing in hundreds of millions of dollars every year for diversity initiatives, including hiring. But somewhere at the core, something else needs to change because it's not showing up on the charts. Change as humans is always uncomfortable for each one of us. And hence, I think we prefer to preserve the status quo. Uh, In fact, I was reading in one of the recent HBR articles that exactly touches upon this topic, saying how the status quo bias leads to unconscious bias. And that in turn, you know, it it kind of just defers the effective implementation of uh, diversity initiatives at workplace, starting from hiring, retaining, and even scaling uh, and progressing women professionals. 
<clears throat> so there is a uh, there is a job uh, survey called Future of Jobs Survey. Uh, it's published by World Economic Forum, and it does talk about three key criteria. Uh, they are unconscious bias of managers in organizations, work-life integration, and lack of role models at the top three contributors to gender parity barriers across the world. Now, these are data points which are across the globe and agnostic of industry. So the deal breakers that's harped upon most like societal pressures, competence and confidence of women talent, they in fact don't even come across as a top within the top five criteria. So the core needs to get fixed somewhere else. And there's another very interesting data point in our Did You Know series. So in fact, it would take the world around 108 years to reach gender parity. I would like to repeat 108 years on an average to reach gender parity. Now, we all know the fun of law of averages. Since it's 108 years on an average, which would mean across regions, it actually will be different. So in some regions, it can be as low as 61 years and in some as high as 171 years. Which means, Uma, just forget in our lifetime, in our generation, even kids who are born now might not see gender parity in most of the regions in their lifetime. You know, now I'm convinced that we were right in picking this problem to solve. And I hope we can make a dent in this through the star in me. Interestingly, I've been studying another strange paradox about women vanishing from the workforce. Did you know that while India is the fifth largest economy, when it comes to women's workforce participation, we cut a sorry figure. In fact, women's participation in the workforce in India has actually declined in the last decade. We were at 30% in the year 2000, and in 2019, we had dropped to 23%. And compare this with the global average of 48%, and you'll see how far behind we are. A large percentage of women take a career break to tend to family and very few of them make a comeback. In fact, the truth is many of them want to return to work, but they face several challenges, right from unpaid work to lack of flexibility in the workplace, lack of childcare options, and in most cases, lack of career guidance. When I graduated from an IAM and started working, I had several opportunities to relocate abroad. In fact, on various occasions, I had free reign to choose which country and city I'd like to move to. But I decided to stay put in India. And one of the key reasons was I had a very strong support system in India. And I knew that I had family to rely on. Um, and hence, you know, even after a maternity break, I was able to come back to work within a few months. I did not have to take a career break. Not everyone has this advantage though. Mahua, what about you? Considering you have two kids, how did you manage to continue work without taking a significant break? Yeah, and this is a question that uh, I have been asked many a times. Uh, you know what? I never gave myself that option of an alternative, and that's very important. Um, we as humans, we actually, before we act, we already do a role play of scenario building in our mind. And never in any scenario building in my own mind map, did I ever put this option that 
no i can leave job and i can sit home it it was absolutely never ever it occurred to my mind so it doesn't matter if it's one maternity break or two maternity breaks and this obviously wouldn't have been possible without my husband because i was married uh, you know my husband sarab he was my senior at iit kharagpur and so we knew each other from our early 20s and when you are such young the conversations are always of equals um in fact when i used to go around with him i remember in college and you know you go for lunch or dinner together um people expect to get a treat and i was so clear that i do not want a treat from him so whenever we went out it was always 100% of the times dutch meaning he pays for his meal and i pay for mine so it was quite deep ingrained at least in my mind and of course uh, you know you definitely need that rock solid partner but you also need a village so uh, we had this entire family who was behind me whenever i needed them and it in fact it's not possible without them i was reading a biography uh, a book of uh, which included biography of 30 most powerful women and the one common advice each one of them gave gave was choosing the right life partner to be successful in fact uh, you know i have seen it in my life through my life and i've seen it through yours your story actually plays a big role if one wants to make you know take that marriage way so why don't uh, we have this thing in common so why don't you share how you met your husband yeah that is true in fact uh, i met my husband ravi when we were batchmates at iim koikord and i totally agree that choosing the right life partner makes a huge impact not just on life but in career also in fact when um, indra noi took over as the ceo of pepsico she shared this advice with women professionals in her words pick the right husband i did and here i am and that is so true in fact um, uh, i'd like all of you to close your eyes for a few seconds and think of five ceos who you admire most across the world who did you see i bet you saw more male ceos than you saw female ceos if you saw any female ceos at all and that is because there simply aren't as many female ceos in fact as per the 2019 fortune list amongst the ceos of fortune 500 companies only 33 were women that means among the most powerful global ceos only 6.6% are women let that sink in forget cxo level the numbers are not great in cxo minus 1 or minus 2 levels either women account for less than one third of senior roles globally and the numbers are even worse in certain industries india absolutely can't agree more uma in fact through 18 years of my career though i have always uh, been with tech and consulting services companies but i've worked with clients across various industries uh, starting from banking insurance life sciences healthcare and i have seen absolutely different dynamics working uh, i just wanted to quote a very funny incident and many of our listeners might have been part of it and you too might have faced uh, in your life uh, whenever we used to have you know uh, clients coming in for visit or for new deals or customer visits in my previous organizations um we needed to fill in the boardrooms and that days women were high on demand 
you know, they were given ad hoc roles. In fact, many a times they got to choose the role. Do you want to become the head of training or head of operations? And you won't believe just with two nights of good practice, all the role plays were absolutely established. Uh, then my point is, if it's so important to show diversity in boardrooms, why do we have to do a role play? Why is it uh, not part of an organization's strategy and why is it not implemented from strategy downwards? Uh, why is a role play needed at all? So when I was doing some analysis uh, across industries, um, we got another did you know figure. So did you know across industries, we just have 30% women participation um, across agnostic industries and the highest being in healthcare, professional services, and media and entertainment, where it ranges roughly between 37% to 51%. And the ones in the industries with least, with as low as 16% are areas like mobility, infrastructure, real estate, you know, manufacturing and heavy industries. Uh, and we both have been part of an industry or, or function where we have been part of the statistics. This is the Duma in consulting. We were among 6% of, um, you know, leaders in consulting in our previous organization. So why don't you share our story? Yeah, in fact, I love talking about this. But before I get into our story, I'll talk about something called the only syndrome. And I'm sure most women have experienced this, though they may not have known it by this phrase. So the only syndrome is when you find yourself to be the only woman, either in a team or in a meeting or in a conference room or in leadership. Do you remember how when group photographs are taken, someone is bound to say, let's get the women in the front because there are so few of them. Or in workshops, when teams are formed, they are realigned so that each team has at least one woman in them. I have faced this so many times during my corporate career and I'm sure most of you have. In fact, we owe the star in me to the only syndrome. So a couple of years ago, Mahua and I attended a leadership conference. We walk into the conference room and realize that we are the only two women amongst the participants. We had encountered several such situations in the past, but for some reason, this one struck a chord with us. We used to keep talking about the gender gap and um, you know what we can do to bridge the gender gap in, in the workforce and in leadership and finally decided to do something about it. And that is how the star in me was born. We spoke to over 500 women across countries before we started the star in me. Our idea was to understand what is it that women need in order to succeed in their careers. And then we designed the star in me to address all these needs under one umbrella. We must have done it right because three months after launch, we now have women professionals from across 46 countries on the platform. In fact, if you haven't already joined, do sign up for free at httpsthestarinme.com and join us in making a dent in the gender gap. Yeah, and talking about the dent, let's start where the gap begins to appear. Everyone over here who's listening definitely might have heard about the glass ceiling, but have you heard of the broken rung? So catch you in our next episode where we focus on dissecting the broken run with various scenarios and stories through our lens and our experiences.